John's gospel has reported to us, has made abundantly clear that God loves us. In fact, he so loves us. We have spent a lot of time in these last 86, now 87 days, seeing how much, just how much, God loves us. And it is crazy. It is really unimaginable. It is radical how much he loves us. God so loves us that he reveals himself to us in the person of Jesus. God so loves us that he wants us to know him, to actually truly know him. God so loves us that he, he tells us in his word, wants to spend eternity with us. God so loves us that he provides for us a way of salvation. What we could never do, what we could never earn, what we had lost in our sin, he does in his own cause. God so loves us that he sends, that he gives to us the Holy Spirit of God to live in us as believers. God so loves us that he gives us his word, his written word that we hold tonight. And we could go on and on and on, but the truth is God so loves us. Well, the truth of our gospel is God so loves us that Jesus pays our penalty for sin. That is the truth of our gospel. God so loves us that Jesus takes our punishment for sin. And as part of that punishment, he dies our death. Understand tonight, that is how we are able to be saved. God doesn't uh, just forego his justice. He is perfectly just. Sin must be paid for. And so our sin, my sin, your sin is paid for by Jesus. That is how we are able to be saved in the sacrifice of our Savior, Jesus. Be sure, we've seen it all the way through this. If Jesus doesn't die our death, if he doesn't die your death, we are still under the penalty of our sin. Our gospel, our good news is Jesus in grace, in mercy, in his great love, dies our death. That is our gospel. Jesus dies our death. Now, let me tell you something. We like to say that, but we really do not like to think that much about that. We like the reality of that. We like the fruit of that, but we do not like to live in reality of that. Today, see, we're going to see in our, in our verses a piece of what that looks like. We're going to see a piece of what that entails. Today we will, through the word of God, behold the man. We will behold the man. That is the name of our message tonight, behold the man. Tonight we're in John chapter 18. We're going to read verses 38 through chapter 19, the fifth verse. John chapter 18, beginning in verse 38, moving through chapter 19, the fifth verse. Behold the man. I'm going to ask if you would, if you would stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's word. Beginning in verse 38, God's word says this. Pilate said to him, what is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again to the Jews 
and said to them, I find no guilt in him. But you have a custom that I release someone for you at the Passover. Do you wish then that I release for you the king of the Jews? So they cried out again, saying, Not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. Pilate then took Jesus and scourged him. And the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head and put a purple robe on him. And they began to come up to him and say, Hail, King of the Jews, and to give him slaps in the face. Pilate came out again and said to them, Behold, I am bringing him out to you so that you may know that I find no guilt in him. Jesus then came out, wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. Pilate said to them, Behold the man. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come tonight and we come in reverence. We come in awe. We come in gratitude. We come as we read these verses, as we see our Savior, as we see our hope, Jesus, as he endures the punishment for our sin, for my sin. Lord, we come and we tell you, we thank you. And that's too small. We tell you we love you, and that's too small. We come and tell you again, we're, we're so thankful for your grace and your kindness to, to show us forgiveness, life, the forgiveness of sin, eternal life. Lord, we, we come, and tonight we just praise you, we worship you, and we thank you. Lord, I, I pray as we read these verses tonight, as we look at this tonight, I pray, Lord, that, that you would lead us tonight, that you would speak to us tonight. I, I pray, Lord, that it would be as heavy as it's intended to be. And Lord, I pray that in this, that we would be convicted, that we would be drawn closer to you, that we would actually see you as our Savior, as our hope, as our Lord, as our sacrifice. Lord, I pray that tonight would truly be a, a supernatural event, and I pray that you would move, that you would speak. Again, that it wouldn't be me wouldn't be a church, wouldn't be a pastor, wouldn't be a pulpit, but it would be the Word of God, Lord, that speaks to our minds and our hearts tonight. Lord, I pray for some and, and maybe many that are hearing tonight that do not know you, that have not turned to you, that have not trusted you, that tonight they stand in the weight and the condemnation of their sin. I pray that this very night that they would see you as you are and they would turn to you and trust you. Lord, I, I again pray thanking you for this opportunity. We lay it out before you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. As believers, as disciples, we are to live in light of Jesus, meaning our lives are to be shaped by, they are to be prioritized by, they are to be lived in the reality of who Jesus is. Now listen, that's a, that's a true statement. We are to be shaped by the reality of who Jesus is. Who Jesus is should totally shape how we live. That's what it means to be a disciple. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Who Jesus is sh should totally shape how we live. Listen, the fact that Jesus is Lord should shape how we live. The fact that Jesus is king, we saw that yesterday. The fact that he is the ruler, the, the king, should shape how we live. 
The, the truth that Jesus is our Savior should shape how we live. And the fact that Jesus is the Lamb, the sacrificial Lamb, the Lamb that dies, the Lamb that gives His life for us, the fact that Jesus is the Lamb should shape how we live. Friends, listen, if, if we consider Jesus' suffering for sin, it should shape how we see our sin, shouldn't it? If we consider Jesus' sacrifice, if we look at his sacrifice, it should shape how we see ourselves, how, how we see him, how we see our gospel, shouldn't it? Well, listen, tonight we would do well to see Jesus as the Lamb. As, as we survey these verses, as we move through this, this passage, we would do well tonight to see Jesus, to take the opportunity to see Jesus as our Lamb. Tonight, that is the Jesus that we will see. Jesus is the Lamb. He is the true Passover Lamb approaching His altar, the place of His sacrifice, the place where His blood will be shed for the remission of our sins. Tonight, we're going to see our lamb. We're going to see the lamb. Let's go to our verses beginning back tonight in verse 38. Verse 38. Pilate said to him, what is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again to the Jews and said to them, I find no guilt in him. Now we understand in verse 38, Pilate and Jesus have been talking. Jesus tells him the reason he was born, the reason that he is come is to testify to the truth. He tells Pilate that, I am the revelation of truth. We know he is truth incarnate. He is truth in skin. He is actually, literally the truth. Well, he says he has come to bear witness to the truth, to reveal the truth. Well, Pilate hears that and he says, what is truth? And I don't know the tone behind that. I think about that. I don't, I don't know if he's skeptical. I don't know if he's tired. I don't know if he's trying to brush him off somehow. But, but he says, what is truth? Who, who can even know? Oh, that we would know the truth. He says, what is truth? And he turns, the Bible says, and goes back out of the praetorium to the courtyard where the Jews are waiting. He turns from the truth and he goes back out into the courtyard. Now understand, by now, there is a crowd that is assembling. There is a crowd that is growing. The sun has now come up. The word has spread of Jesus' arrest. This word of this proceeding going on is now spreading throughout the city. And with the city full anyway, people are hurriedly making their way there. They hear that Jesus has been arrested. They hear the one that has done the miracles has been arrested. They hear there's a trial going on. They hear that those that have wanted him dead are now seeking his death. And so they hurriedly make their way to this courtyard. There is a crowd that is assembling. Pilate again goes out to them and he says to them, I find no guilt in him. Let those words sink in. I find no guilt in him. He has heard their complaint. 
He has interviewed Jesus. He knows the law. And he says, I find no guilt. It is a word that means crime, wrongdoing, fault. I find no fault in him. There's no crime. There's no wrongdoing. I've I've looked in him. In this trial, there's been no charge. In this trial, there's been no indictment. And now in this trial, there is no guilty verdict. He says, I find no guilt in him. Now, I want you to see this. He truly wants to set Jesus free. He wants to set Jesus free. This is an attempt at that. We've seen a couple before this. We're going to see a couple out of this. But he thinks if he says, you know what, I find no guilt, surely a reasonable person would turn him loose. This is an attempt at that. I find no guilt in him. At this point, it was clear for Pilate, and it was easy for Pilate, in the Roman system, he should have set him free right then. They, they upheld their rules. They, they love, in fact, their system of rule. And the rule said if he's, been, if he's been stated as not guilty, he should be released right then. There's, there's no more discussion to be had. He's not guilty. He is to be set free right then. However, Pilate is sure that he's not guilty. However, he still worries about his image with the Jews. Now watch this. He knows he's not guilty. He's told them as such, but he's still worried about popular opinion with the Jews. And so he has to come up with another plan. Now what has he just done? What has he just done? He has overlooked justice, that's for sure. He's overlooked justice. But to do so, I want you to see this. He has had to overlook Jesus. He's had to overlook Jesus. In Isaiah chapter 53, speaking of the suffering servant, it says, and he was like one from whom men hide their face. That translation means that they act like they can't see him. Pilate overlooks Jesus. It's as if he cannot see him. Jesus is no longer the issue. All right, the next plan, verse 39. But you have a custom that I release someone for you at the Passover. Do you wish then that I release for you the king of the Jews? Now, evidently, trying to appease the Jews or in a move trying to gain popularity with the Jews, the Romans and Pilate had started letting one Jewish prisoner go each year during the Passover. There's a great crowd there. Most likely these folks are political prisoners anyway. And so they would say, choose your favorite prisoner. We'll let them go and it would build good rapport, good favor with the Jews. Well, his second plan is to offer them a man named Barabbas. The Gospels, the Gospel accounts tell us he is a notorious robber. He is a bandit. He would rob. He would steal. In the Gospel of Mark, it says he is a murderer. He, Barabbas, is an actual danger to the society. He's a bandit. He's a robber. He has killed somebody. He's an actual danger to the society. And so he is thinking if he offers them Jesus and then this terrible man 
Surely they'll choose Jesus. Surely they'll say, well, that's, that's no logical decision. They'll say, give us Jesus. Listen to verse 39 again. But you have a custom that I release someone for you at the Passover. Do you wish then that I release for you the king of the Jews? Now he says king of the Jews to make his point. This guy, Barabbas, is a killer, and this one claims to be a king of an unseen realm. That's the point. He's saying this guy's an actual killer. This guy claims somehow to be a king of an unseen realm. He may be crazy, but he's not dangerous. This is Pilate's second attempt in these verses to set him free. Verse 40. So they cried out again saying, not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. Pilate misjudges the the growing crowd's hatred for Jesus. Now I want you to think about this, see this tonight. Many of these people that are drawing in, many of these people that are adding to the crowd, they have seen Jesus as a healer. Some of them had been healed. Some of them knew someone that had been healed. Some of these folks, in fact, many of these folks most likely have heard Jesus teach. They've heard his teachings. Many of them had cheered him on days earlier when he came into the city. And so these folks were familiar with Jesus. These folks had a a good opinion of Jesus. And yet now they've turned on Jesus. I want you to be sure of something. It hasn't changed. It's human nature. Gossip, slander always grows. Violence always increases. Hatred always escalates. And they hate Jesus. Some of them had heard his teaching. Some of them knew him as a healer, but now they hear the gossip. They they hear the slander. They, They see the violence well up in the crowd and their disdain for Jesus is growing. We'd rather have a murderer set free. And they have hatred, disdain for Jesus. Isaiah, speaking of the suffering servant, said he was despised and forsaken of men. He was despised and we did not esteem him. I want you to think with me for just a second tonight. Think about this. Put these pieces together. What are the odds that there was a cross set up for Jesus on such short notice? Now, I want you to start to think about that. You see, they didn't arrest him until it was nighttime. They didn't arrest him until the dark of night, and now the sun is coming up. What are the odds that there would have been a cross set up for Jesus? You see, listen tonight. I believe this man, Barabbas, was a leader of a three-man gang set for execution on this day. And I believe that he had had his trial. I believe that he had been found guilty. And I believe because of that, three crosses have been erected. Three crosses were set, one for himself and one for his two compadres, the two criminals, his two followers. I believe, now listen, I'm not sure, but I believe Jesus will die Barabbas's death. I believe he will die on Barabbas's cross. There was no time to put a cross up for him. 
I believe he's going to die on Barabbas' cross. I believe the guilty will go free and Jesus will die in his place on a murderer's cross between two thieves. Jesus will die. Friends, I want you to understand tonight that is our gospel. I want you to understand tonight that is my cross. That is your cross. That is my death. That is your death. We are guilty. Already the crowd yells out, let the guilty go free. And listen, God in his grace knows that is our hope. And so Jesus and grace and love and mercy dies our death. Listen to me, that is our cross. That is my cross. Isaiah says, speaking of the suffering servant, all of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned his own way, but the Lord caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. At Calvary, he takes our cross. At Calvary, he dies our death. Pilate has tried to set him free two times. Here's the third attempt. Moving to chapter 19, verse 1. Pilate then took Jesus and scourged him. A very short verse. Pilate then took Jesus and scourged him. Now, scourging was a common and frequent Roman punishment. In this scourging, the person was stripped. They were taken to a post, to a stump that was set up for this purpose. They were bent and tied over that stump, and then Roman guards would take turns Whipping the person, one person, then another, one person, then another. They would take turns whipping the person. The whip had a wooden handle. It had leather laces, and at the end of those leather laces, there were pieces of metal and glass tied on each strip. It was so severe of a punishment, again, they would not scourge a Roman citizen. Under the Jewish law, a person could be struck 39 times, one less than 40, but the Romans had no limit. The, the Romans had no such law. The skin was literally lashed open. That was the purpose of it. It was not uncommon to be disemboweled during the process. It was a vicious, gruesome punishment. They are whipped, and then they are whipped, and they are whipped, and their skin is torn open. Isaiah, speaking of the suffering servant, says, And the chastening for our well-being fell upon him. And 700 years before this event, it says, And by his scourging, we are healed. Verse 2. And the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head and put a purple robe on him. Mocking him and his claims, the soldiers... They take branches of thorns and they make them, they fashion them into a mock crown. Then they take this mock crown and they push the thorns into the head of Jesus. In Genesis, it says that thorns did not grow until man sinned. And so understand tonight, Jesus is crowned in the fruit of our sin. He wears a crown that is the fruit, the crown of our rebellion. He suffers because I sinned. He suffers because we 
sin. Isaiah, speaking of the suffering servant, says that he was crushed for our iniquities. Verse 3. And they began to come up to him and say, Hail, King of the Jews! And to give him slaps in the face. These soldiers, the Bible tells us, make a game out of shaming Jesus. Hail, King of the Jews! And they strike him in the face. Now, Hundreds of soldiers were there. Perhaps the entire cohort, all 600 soldiers are there. They're there for the day of execution. They are hating their assignment to this city. They are hating their dealings with these people, the Jews. And so all of these soldiers are there and another comes and strikes Jesus. And another comes and he strikes Jesus. And they make sport out of striking Jesus. And they take out their frustration on Jesus. Oh, the king of the Jews. And they strike Jesus. And then somebody else comes and they strike Jesus again and again and again it plays out. They strike Jesus. They strike Jesus. Verse 4, Pilate came out again and said to them, Behold, look, I'm bringing him out to you so that you may know that I find no guilt in him. I want you to see this in verse 4. Pilate still held out hope. His plan was that in beating Jesus so severely, they would see the injustice of their demands. That was his plan. His plan was that in seeing a man injured so gravely, they would see how disproportionate their penalty was. His hope was that when they saw so much abuse, when they saw so much blood, they would be satisfied and they would relent. At least that was his plan. Pilate came out again and said to them, Behold, I'm bringing him out to you so that you may know that I find no guilt in him. Verse 5. Jesus then came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. Pilate said to them, Behold the man. Understand here in the fifth verse, Jesus is led out of the praetorium And Pilate upon this belts out, Behold the Lamb. See the man. Take a look at the man. You relentless people. You ungiving people. See the man. Put your eyes on the man. And there in the early morning sun, exhausted, beaten, blood dripping from his face that is swelling, Skin ripped open, wearing a mock robe and a crown of my making stands Jesus. Can you see him? Don't look away from him. There on this cool morning stands Jesus. Behold the Lamb. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come tonight, we're thankful, so thankful for our Lamb. But we also come and and knowing what the Lamb 
provides for us, we come and we tell you, Lord, we're so sorry. We're sorry for our rebellion. We're sorry for the thorns of our sin. We're sorry for our guilt, our shame that was heaped upon you. We're sorry for our penalty. We are, we secure. It's heaped upon you that you pay willingly in our stead. So, Lord, we come tonight, and I pray as we've seen our Lamb, that our hearts, first off, turn away from sin, and turn away from pride, and turn away from rebellion. And that our hearts turn to the Lamb, the precious, perfect Lamb. And that our love for you, we know your love for us, but that our love for you would grow tonight, seeing our Lamb. That our appreciation for you would grow tonight, seeing our Lamb that our commitment to you tonight would grow seeing our lamb. Lord, we're thankful. We praise you, our lamb. We thank you, our lamb. Lord, I pray as we conclude this day, this service, I pray, Lord, first off for believers that, that we again see a picture of you as our lamb and that that shapes how we live, shapes our priority set, shapes how we accept and participate in sin. Shapes, again, every piece of our life. Lord, help us be shaped by the Lamb. And then I come and I pray, Lord, for those that do not know you, those tonight that still wear the weight of their sin tonight. I pray, the Lord, that in this picture they would see your love, they would see your grace, they would see your sacrifice, they would see their Lamb. And I pray, Lord, that tonight they would turn to you and they would receive you in faith and in the grace of God tonight seeing their lamb, that they would be saved. What a, what a fitting response tonight, Lord, that seeing their lamb, that they would be saved. Lord, we give you this hour, we give you this time, we give you these words. We ask that you move in this time of invitation. We trust it to you, and I pray in Jesus' name, amen. We're gonna close our time together with a time of response, a time to respond to the word of God, a time to respond to the perfect lamb of God. And I, I wanna tell you, if you're here tonight, and you've not trusted Jesus. I want to tell you, he did that for you. He did that for me. He did that to free us of the guilt of our sin, the condemnation of our sin. That's our lamb. The Bible says if you'll trust him, if you'll call out, he'll save you tonight. If you'll trust him as the remedy, the savior for sin, he'll save you tonight. Listen, if you've never done that, trust him tonight. Turn to him tonight. He'll save you tonight. And then if you're here and you've trusted Christ, but tonight we again see the picture of our lamb Tell him you love him. Tell him you, th you thank him. Let it shape your life. Ask him to shape your life in the light of our lamb. Maybe you're here and you've made a decision for Christ, but you never fought in believer's baptism. We want to give you an opportunity as well to respond, to come, to say, I want that, I want that picture, that testimony to stand in my life. You come as well. Maybe you're looking for a church home. You've prayed about it. You believe God has led you here. You come as well. Together we'll serve for his cause. Maybe you want to come and pray at an altar tonight. Maybe you want to come pray with me. Maybe you want to come pray for these last 13 nights. God would take them that he would be pleased in the response that the lamb would be known. I'm going to ask that no one stir about, no one head for an exit. You pray for those that are making decisions as we stand and sing. If God has spoken to you, you step out. You come on. I'll meet you here.